Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, you can follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We pop on out to the KDOS hotline. Harrison Fagan, repeat guest, silver screen and roll, set to talk Lakers with Bob and myself. Harrison, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing well. It was, uh, you know, stayed up pretty late last night covering that win. But, you know, it's always more fun to do those after a win than, uh, you know, the alternative. Yeah, suddenly that sleep deprivation just hits a little bit differently if there's a win involved in it, right? Yeah, exactly. But before we get into the specifics of Game 1 and also this series moving forward between the Lakers and the Warriors, I have a broad question for you following the Lakers' 117-112 to win. What stood out to you in the first contest, and did you ever think to yourself that the Lakers having more rest heading into the game played a major factor? I do think that that was part of it. The Warriors did look a little bit tired. I mean, they t- the Warriors take a lot of threes in general, but they took, you know, like almost a historic amount last night. I think over half their shots were threes. I think they took about 50, uh, if I'm remembering the box score correctly. Um, and, you know, it, it was just they were they were firing away from deep. I think, you know, Steph clearly didn't have his legs for most of the game. He got it going there in a little bit in the fourth. And, like, I think they're going to play better than they did last night. But I think the Lakers, you know, as far as the thing that stood out the most to me, I think – uh, it was that the Lakers appear to have some good options to sort of change up their coverages on Steph. You know, between Austin Reeves, Dennis Schroeder, Jared Vanderbilt, they were able to throw a number of different looks at him that I think were able to frustrate him a little bit. And he really only got going in the fourth when they tried to get more offense on the floor and he was able to target D'Angelo Russell a ton. So heading into game one, I actually thought the Lakers were in a pretty good spot because of the extra two days of rest and prep time. Anthony Davis said before game one that it was a must win. Was it a must win? I do think so, because I think if you're going to, you know, if you're the lower seeded team, I, I think you at the very least you have to split on the road. But especially if you can get that first one and kind of steal home court advantage back, I do think it puts a lot of pressure back on the team that went into the series as the higher seed. You know, so I, I think that getting that game one can be pretty huge. And, you know, hey, I mean, that was a pretty good recipe for them in their last series. So I can't blame him for wanting to emphasize that. Harrison Fagan, silver screen and roll here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. So you kind of alluded to this a bit here uh, to start. The Lakers had 92 field goal attempts, six made threes, shot the ball 29 times from the foul line. The Warriors had 106 field goal attempts, 21 made threes, and six foul shot attempts. This is just really contrasting styles of play. But with the way that the Warriors play, when the Lakers are going to keep moving forward here, what areas should the Lakers have some concerns and really be trying to guard against? So I, I think that the number one thing is that the Lakers are going to have to continue to stay active. You know, a number of guys, uh, Austin Reeves, uh, Dennis Schroeder, Jared Vanderbilt talked about how challenging it is just to guard Steph and how dangerous he is because he will, you know, to hear them describe it, he will run around basically for 23 seconds and then it, off the ball. And then he may finally put up a shot at the end of that. And it's just an exhausting cover. And it's not really even an individual assignment. It is a team-wide assignment. You have to be locked in for the entire 24-second shot clock or in a couple of the Lakers' possessions last night, you know, like 48 seconds, like almost a minute, you know, whatever, when they're giving up a couple offensive rebounds because so much attention is going towards Steph or Clay or these other rotations that they're making. 
that they're giving up offensive rebounds occasionally. And so I think that, you know, sort of limit, making sure that they can limit the Warriors to one possession, you know, on those misses, I think is going to be huge. I think AD was really, you know, seemed to put an emphasis on keeping Kevon Looney off the glass. I think they saw how he sort of gashed, you know, uh, the Kings on that, you know, over and over again in that first round series. So I think that sort of trying to limit them to one shot and just, you know, it's going to be mentally challenging and, you know, physically taxing to stay that locked in on Steph over the course of a seven-game series. And so I, I think that, like, trying to push past the fatigue factor I think is going to be huge. And also, again, like why I think getting game one last night when they were as fresh as they're going to be in this series was huge. Davis, 30 points, 23 rebounds, five assists, four block shots. I know they won a championship in the bubble, but considering the opponent and the circumstances, was last night his best performance in a playoff game? Yeah, you know, I saw a couple of people kind of theorizing that. I still can't quite get there just because I think his two-way impact like in the like in the bubble was still at its peak a little higher. I know he had the 30 points, but a lot of that it was like on setups, you know, sort of guys dumping it off to him being, you know, offensive rebounds because the Warriors don't really have you know, beyond Looney, they don't really play with the traditional center. And so in those kind of bench units, especially AD played the whole second half, those minutes when Looney wasn't out there, when he was in foul trouble, he was able to get some really easy buckets. Like, I think the bubble was probably still the where I would say I've seen the most impressive AD, especially early on in the, that final series against the Heat. But, you know, as far as defensive impact, this is definitely the greatest I've ever seen him play because the, the Lakers have never needed more from him than they have so far during these playoffs. They don't have sort of the, like, insane, you know, depth of wing defenders that they had in that bubble series, even though I just, you know, praised a couple of the options they have on Steph. They still aren't quite that deep defensively. And a huge, huge part of their, you know, defensive strategy in these playoffs has been we are going to try and run guys off the line. We are going to send them towards AD and hope that he can contest every single thing at the rim. And he's just been a monster uh, there on the glass everywhere. And so, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if it was his most impressive game that he's ever played, but I, I think this run is definitely the most impressive, sustained defense I think he's played in a Laker uniform. Sticking with Anthony Davis for one more question. Uh, clearly, everything seems to be funneling through him and especially trying to uh, use things in the paint with him. When will the Lakers get in trouble if they continue, if they move away from Anthony Davis? Will that be where things start to kind of break down for the Lakers? Yeah, I do think so, because he's kind of clearly their biggest advantage in this series. You know, the Warriors, like I mentioned in the last answer, like they, they just don't have the size. You know, Draymond has traditionally frustrated AD throughout their the course of their careers, but I honestly was really uh, sort of, you know, if you're if you're rooting for the Lakers in this series, like you're sort of optimistic about how he looks against Draymond last night. It didn't really look like Looney was able to limit him very much. It's just the Warriors do not have a clear answer to sort of frustrate and bother him. And you know, I'm sure that they'll start to send more double teams. They'll they'll start to try and get the ball out of his hands, things like that. But the Lakers' advantage in this series is Anthony Davis. This is an Anthony Davis series for them. You know, more that that is their biggest advantage. And so I, I think that they have to continue trying to whether. It's getting him the ball on the move, getting it to him in the post, you know, trying to the Lakers guards have done a really good job of putting up shots, you know, after they check to see if AD has his guy behind him already boxed out and so he can get an offensive rebound and so that's kind of been part of their game plan where like we'll put up the shots but we're trusting that AD can get it if they miss and you know, I, I think combining all of it, it com 
in conjunction with sort of the Warriors' deficiencies on the glass and, you know, in the post, I think that this is serious for him. And then, you know, factoring in also, like, the free throw advantage as well, when they're going to be going into the paint that much, he's a pretty solid free throw shooter. Like, you know, he's going to have to be their best player, I think, for them to win this series. Okay, so I got we got a poll question out there today. Which is most impressive, building the 14-point lead or regrouping after blowing the fourth-quarter lead? Honestly, probably the latter for me because I think that we've seen so many teams just, you know, wilt under those Warriors' runs, and that's sort of the mentally taxing aspect that I was talking about, you know, earlier is, like, you, you can do every single thing right for 22 seconds, and then all of a sudden, you know, they just hit a ridiculous three from five feet behind the three-point line because they have the greatest shooters of all time on their roster, and it's just, like, it's demoralizing. We've seen it sort of take the spirit out of other teams, and, you know, to be able to sustain that 14-0 run and, you know, come down D'Angelo Russell, a guy who had just airballed the shot, the possession before, coming down, you know, getting his guy in the post, finishing uh, over him to sort of give the Lakers a two-point advantage and a tight game for a guy that, you know, people were wondering about sort of his playoff bona fides. That was impressive. You know, the Lakers staying locked in and continuing to, you know, stick with the game plan. We're going to try and force the ball out of Steph's hands. We're going to trust each other to make the rotations. And, you know, being able to sustain and weather that, I, I think, is more impressive to me. Harrison Fagan, silver screen and roll right here on KDOS AM 1060 and uh, the KDOS 1060 app. So as this series continues again tomorrow, game three back in L.A. on Saturday with the every other day going, does fatigue end up playing a factor here? And how has Darvin Ham seemingly addressed keeping guys fresh? So I think fatigue is going to be a factor as the series goes on, but I think it's going to be for both teams. I mean, the Warriors just came off a seven-game series themselves. It's not like they're getting more rest between this one and uh, the next one than the Lakers are, or that they're, like, significantly younger. So it's not, you know, like they're playing some young upstart and there's an advantage there. I do think that, again, LeBron is going to be the guy that, you know, you're going to worry the most about as the series goes along. Like, can he continue to this on a foot injury that he's playing through looked a little bit limited at points last night after a pretty engaged start to the game so I think that's the one that I'd worry about as far as you know like fatigue and for how Darvin Ham's going to handle it I think that we saw like he's going to take some time out try and give guys breathers and you know I'll be really curious to see how much he's able to continue pushing AD minutes wise because he played him the whole second half you know, last right. night, played him 20 minutes in the first half. I don't know if that's sustainable over the course of an entire, you know, playoff series. And so at some point, there's going to be some more of these either Wenyan Gabriel minutes or there's going to be some moments where it's like LeBron and Rui in the front court. And those are, I, I think, for anyone that watched the Lakers versus Memphis series, those are concern points because that's where the Lakers can really hemorrhage points at the rim. And so I, I think that they're going to have to do everything that they can, you know, extra ice, extra massage, keep AD able to play as many minutes as he can because otherwise, you know, without him out there for a pretty good chunk of minutes, I, I the Lakers are going to struggle. D'Angelo Russell, you mentioned him, 19 points, six assists. How much is he into the revenge angle since the Warriors didn't want him around anymore? You know, I, I think I, I think there is a little bit of that. You know, I, I did think it was very funny in his postgame interview last night. Uh, he was asked about how hard it was to communicate defensively with the crowd, and he's like, ah, well, they weren't, they weren't really that loud. And, you know, I, that did not go unnoticed to me as him sort of taking a shot at those fans and that fan base and that team. It's pretty clear from – you know, from both Warriors people and, you know, like uh, the way that D'Lo has talked about them, that that was not a very 
enjoyable, you know, several months that those two sides were together and there's not a whole lot of love lost or mutual respect there. And so, you know, I, I definitely think there is, he looked aggressive and ready and he wanted to sort of attack his mismatches and those kinds of things. And Hey, like if he's hitting shots, like he was last night, then that's a good thing for the Lakers. They're just going to have to make sure that, uh, you know, they do a better job of making sure that Steph can't uh, sort of get ISOed on him because D'Lo can have all the, all the sort of, you know, revenge in his mind and motivation he wants. He's not going to be able to stay in front of that guy. I have another one on Darvin Ham here for you. How has he handled rotations, game plans, defensive schemes, and have you mostly come away impressed with his playoff coaching? Uh, I would say mixed bag so far. I have been impressed with his playoff coaching the last two games when he sort of seems to have recognized that, hey, maybe the team that I want this team to be where we're going to have these kind of smaller lineups that outskill you and, you know, get out and run you off the floor with shooting, you know, it's just not the team that this team is like they need some more kind of size and physicality on the floor to sort of, you know, augment their existing strengths with LeBron and AD and, you know, enough shooting to get by. But, you know, I really in game, uh, in game six of the last series and game one of this one, he has completely gone away from Malik Beasley, which I think has been a positive, you know, sort of uh, part uh, thing for the rotation. He is just not a playoff player to me. I, I, he wasn't even hitting shots, and he really can't do anything else. And so, you know, pretty limited sort of skill set. And I, I think that it was smart that they went away from him. I think that it was smart that, uh, you know, they started to play Rui more. They started to dust off Wenyan Gabriel instead of doing the LeBron-Rui front court late in last series. You know, so I, I think that he's made some good schematic adjustments. And most of all, I I think that Ham deserves a ton of credit for the team that this team was during the first half of the year is not the same team they are now, both in terms of roster and, you know, like skill set wise, but keeping the entire group that's left over engaged for that entire period when things seemed so hopeless, the two and 10 start, you know, it seemed like maybe no help was on the way keeping them sort of from letting go of the rope during the part when AD was out or when LeBron was hurt, you know, I think that that's where he deserves probably his biggest credit because we've seen that that's not something that necessarily every single coach and locker room leader can do. The Warriors, they went small late in the game last night. Do you expect more of that in uh, game two moving forward? Or was that maybe just the Lake, uh, excuse me, the Warriors going small because they were, you know, desperate and chasing points. I think it was probably more of the latter one. You know, I do think that Looney is going to continue to play in this series because he's really sort of their only shot to box out AD. But, you know, that said, like, I don't know that the Warriors, they, they don't exactly have a lot of big lineups they can go to. You know, it's either like they play Looney or, and Draymond together at times or they don't. Uh, because they don't really have another traditional center on the roster. And so, you know, I think that, that is, this is a series that, you know, the Lakers have an advantage in because even though they don't really have a traditional backup big man themselves, neither do the Warriors. And so you're not going to – they're still going to be able to get their stuff at the rim, which is really where this team is strongest. You know, you saw the free throw differential last night, how much they were driving to the paint. This team has a lot of driving players and less so sort of on the perimeter shooting front. And so I think that almost regardless of how the Warriors are playing, the Lakers are going to continue to attack the rim just because the Warriors don't have the personnel to sort of limit that. Sort of like last series where there were moments where Jaron Jackson Jr. was able to sort of sway the Lakers from driving and, you know, kick out some more threes, and that was able to swing a couple games from Memphis. The Warriors don't have that sort of advantage. Harrison Fagan, silver screen and roll here on KDUS AM 1060 in the extra point. Realistically, the Warriors aren't going away here. They'll make adjustments. So how do you see this series playing out the rest of the way? 
So I went Lakers in seven before the series just because of sort of the Steph factor and just being terrified of him. He is, you know, an impossible cover in so many ways and, you know, just uh, as dangerous of, as, like, I think any NBA player that I've ever watched or certainly, uh, you know, rooted against in the playoffs. And so, um, you know, he is you know, he is capable of swinging a couple games in the series on his own. But other than that, I really like a lot of the Lakers matchups. I like that they're going to be able to win the free throw battle every single night because of how much more physical they are, how much more they're going to the rim, and how many threes the Warriors shoot. Like, I don't think the Warriors are going away, but I, I do think the Lakers, you know, last night only sort of further emboldened my belief that the Lakers can win this series. Harrison, thank you so very much for the time, and we look forward to doing it again if, uh, you know, the Lakers keep on winning. Yeah, you know, I, like, like I said, like I told Bob last time, I'm always happy to come back when the Lakers are winning. I feel like I only get invited places when they're when something goes wrong. So, you know, who knows? Maybe that'll be the next time you have me back uh, if the series goes the other way. Well, we're on a bit of a streak here, so we'll try to keep it rolling. I appreciate it. Thanks once again. He is Harrison Fagan, Silver Screen and Roll.